Hey, what's up? It's Thomas Nicholas, uh, also known as Kevin from American Pie. And when I'm not going the growl, which I think is better known as the tongue tornado, I'm listening to the Total Reboot with Cam and Alexi. Podcast comes great riffability. <laughs> <laughs> you should say that. I can't steal that immediately. Let's just use that uh, that take. No, then... we can't just use that take. <laughs> we can't just use that take. But he can't say it again. Okay, we're using it. Hello and welcome to another episode of the podcast known as Total Reboot. Hosted by me, Alexi Toliopoulos, and co-hosted by you, Cameron James. That's correct. It's a pleasure to be here, and uh, I'll tell you why it's a double pleasure for me. Well, because you have several kids at home, and it's a pleasure for you to be anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Is that one of the reasons? We got the riffs going away right at the start of the episode. I was going to say because uh, one of my babies, Guy Montgomery, is here with us. Guy, thank you for joining us on the pod. Hey, thanks so much for bringing me out of the house, Dad. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on, Guy. You've been on our podcast many times. Our listeners, of course, would know you from the podcast, The Worst Idea of All Time. And you're on season four now, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, We're halfway through season four, and unsurprisingly, (laughs) the wheels are coming off as quickly as we put them back on. Um, I don't know, you know, fool me once... (laughs) <laughs> fool me twice Fool it, me three times It doesn't go up to four well, You can fool me as many times as you want I, I missed Tim Bat We got back together yeah. Yeah. We have once again made a tremendous mistake uh, I recorded an episode most recently with Tim yesterday uh-huh. And it would be fair to describe the environment In which we are recording now as toxic uh, <laughs> And the movie this time around Sex and the City the first That's right Oh uh, I've never seen that Well Fret not, my friend. Uh, <laughs> I could catch you up on it right now if you want. Maybe save it for after the pod. Yeah. I'd hate to waste... Uh, we only have a limited number of minutes. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, yeah. We're weird. a prepaid podcast. <laughs> we're pre- <laughs> we're yeah, prepaid. We're pre-paid. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. we, do it, we, we can go for as long as we want. No, but no, you guys no. are We pay for a certain amount of credit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've got an SD card. We just pay credit per minute. So <laughs> we have to keep it pretty tight on here. But what we do on this podcast is we riff around, sure, but we have a premise as well. And the premise is that we are the only podcast on the internet to discuss film, specifically reboots, remakes, and rip-offs. And currently we're in the head heavily rebooted franchise of the Spider-Man character. (laughs) (laughs) And you're here to help us step through the Marvel Cinematic Universe iteration of the titular character. I got to say my timing is good because the movie we just watched is honestly a joy front to back. And Alexi accurately observed as we were watching, this is the first time I think that we've watched a good Movie together. Yeah. <laughs> what have right. we watched together? We've watched Flintstones, Flintstones most recently. We watched Lovebirds. Oh, God. Starring Reese Darby, where we tried to right. dive, like, just really kamikaze your career by yeah, watching a right. Reese Darby movie since, the week before you yeah, did a gig with him. Since become a friend of mine who wow. helped me get a visa to live in America. Wow, really? Yeah. I live in fear. Of that episode. <laughs> it's only one curious Google away. <laughs> it's not online anymore. Well, in which case, it's... I'd like to go on the record as saying I say nothing but good things. Yeah, I, I listened to it and can confirm that you said all positive things about Reese Darby. It was yeah. our first five-star review. In fact, you preemptively thanked him for helping you get a visa. Yeah, well, the America. wheels were in motion. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. And I think we did Shrek 2 together on my yes, check, right? Yes, we did. Oh, yeah. Yep, That's yep, right. Yep, yep, yep. And well, actually, similarly, in that one, we did uh, some great riffs about uh, the, the great Australian, Rove McManus. Oh, who has since become a friend of ours. A friend of ours, and he helped me get a job. Uh, so that episode will be taken offline as <laughs> <Yeah>. well. <laughs> Let me ask you a question, Guy. Have you seen the other Spider-Mens? 
Uh, Spider-Man 1, Tobey Maguire, Kirsten Dunst. Absolutely. Yes. James so, Franco from me. Yeah, Jimmy Franks and William Dafoe. Yeah. Was he Sp- <laughs> and J.K. Simmons? And was... Which is like... Rosemary Harris, one more character um, from the film. Was Willem Dafoe Spider-Man 2 also? Am I misremembering? Well, he makes appearances in Mirrors and uh, yeah, Shadow. He, he's okay. the actor who appears mostly in Mirrors in cinema. <laughs> yeah. Iconic. Yeah. Uh, Iconic, those beautiful shark-like teeth. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I vividly remember seeing Spider-Man in uh, cinemas. Yep. Spider-Man uh-huh. 2, I have vague recollections of having seen. Yep. Alfred Molina. I was not convinced by those movies. Mm. I was not convinced mm. that I cared about Spider-Man in the first place. When yep. they rebooted with Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone, yep. I was like, what are you doing? Because it was the same time as they were rebooting Hulk. Mm. Oh, yeah. And I was thinking... What You're is losing, going on yeah, in Hollywood? They're, they're losing their marbles. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're losing their marvels. Uh, oh, gosh, guy. That clever. is really, really funny. That's For those listening clever. that might not get, there's a saying, losing one's marbles means to go wild and crazy. To go a bit buck wild. But also, Spider-Man is part of the Marvel universe nowadays. So if, that's a really clever riff, double meaning. Yeah, and I'm glad that you brought everyone along because I know you guys traditionally target <laughs> quite a sort of slow demo. Yeah, so we really we do explain a lot of the riffs. I have I put out a help guide you know, uh, what, it's a yeah. newsletter yeah. one of my favorite things after riffing with fellow comics is that when uh they just sort of you know give a very sly smile and they say that's funny i really find that funny that's how yeah. you know it's hit. yeah that's you know uh, it's <laughs> not just funny but clever as well i will give yeah. you credit yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll yeah. give you the credit i uh, and then after that i completely checked out until wow. this this film spider-man homecoming mm-hmm. starring the wonderful tom holland which I saw in cinemas, not because of a like a trailer obsessed curiosity that I had to get down to the the movies mm. for, mm. but uh, the time at which I watched this movie was it was the day after I uh, had broken up with my last oh, serious yeah. girlfriend, wow. yeah. and I'd gone to what I thought in Auckland was like a, a obscure sort of cafe or bakery to get some food. Mm. You wanted to be out of sight. You yeah, to I, didn't want to see, I, didn't, I didn't want to see anyone I knew. Yeah, you're wearing a hat, glasses, maybe yeah, a hoodie. Exactly. Keep and then there on. I ran into, like fresh off uh, yep. welling up with tears mm. and sort of looking mm. quite haggard, I ran into two close mutual friends oh, of yep. mine and my ex-partners. Oh, no. And I was like, oh, what this is... What were they doing there? Having they, an affair, probably. No, well, no, they, they were a couple. <laughs> they lived nearby. Oh, I should wow. have known. It was yeah. an up-and-coming suburb, you guys. Oh, <laughs> Do the research. A lot of gentrification. Yeah. Yep. Yep. A lot and of your so mates. I, uh, I sort of got through that interaction because I, was, I wasn't up to saying that we'd... You know, I was yeah, just yeah. processing. Oh. And I was so like, they wouldn't even have known. It's actually super fresh, that fresh. It was super fresh. Literally overnight. Why is guy's face all puffy I had Yeah, I had a croissant and a coffee in my hand. I went into the car and I was like, I need to go somewhere where I'm not at risk of seeing into anyone darkness. where nobody knows your name so I looked the up the nearest you need to go turn off the dark if you will yeah. it's a reference to Spider-Man musical starring you two that's very clever and it's really nice very to funny. see you sort of back end explaining some of your riffs <laughs> sometimes you got to <laughs> although I, that does upsettingly lump the quality of that particular riff in with my outstanding <laughs> losing your marbles I think they're both equally as good thank you so much Karen. and that's not a compliment no <laughs> <laughs> certainly uh, not for me um, <laughs> not a, you know, it's not a slight on Alexi though <laughs> Come on, I'm uh, actually trying really so, hard. But so I'm in, the, uh, I'm in the car, I'm teary-eyed, I'm mm-hmm. uh, feeling terrified of seeing anyone I know. So yeah. I go on my phone and I go on Flix, which is a great movie-going app in New Zealand. I find the closest cinema, the most immediate screen time, and it is Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah. I think perfect, dark cinema, two hours where I can just completely disengage from my life. And I went to what I thought would be, you know, a pretty isolated screening of Spider-Man, oh, no. not knowing the popularity of it, also not knowing it was school... Frickin' holidays. <laughs> oh my gosh. Sold out screening. I'm sandwiched between two families. <laughs> to the credit of the filmmakers and the movie, engaged mm. the whole way through. Yep. Literally yep. two of the greatest hours, you know, if only for the roast and a glass of nostalgia, you know, in my mm. life. And mm. that provided the exact escape that I needed. Uh, but I remember loving it, but also not knowing whether or not that was an accurate gauge on the film because it was so coloured by the surrounding experience. Yeah. Of course. But uh, when you said this is what we were watching, I was very excited. And Ooh, were you also a little bit triggered? No. Wow. Yeah. That's how strong this movie was for you. Absolutely. It didn't even go. Uh, it didn't even make you go. I'm going to start to reflect on some loves lost. Uh, no. No, I was I was like genuinely excited to see it because I remember telling people I liked it and mm. other people mm. who had not been burned but were skeptical of the Spider Man cinematic well, it had been franchise. Through a lot. It yeah. had been through a lot. Uh 
And so it was sort of nice to to revisit it and discover that yeah, this is a good this movie fucking slaps. This movie fucking holds up for Guy Montgomery. It's a slapper. Yeah. It is it is uh it is such a joyous movie. That's what I kept on saying to Guy. I'm like, God, Guy, I am having an abundance of joy right now. This is a joy <laughs> machine. This is I may as well be in Joy Division, the band, because I'm all smiles. I'm tragically don't read into what happened to the band members, <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> but it is It's just like a, a movie That is just brimming with joy It's just mm. it, And I think that's what The Marvel Cinematic Universe When it's firing at its best That's what it does They're joy machines yeah. Absolutely Well Cameron and Guy So we're talking about this As a reboot of The Spider-Man franchise Previously it had gone through The Andrew Garfield With Andrew Garfield Spider-Man The Amazing One And Amazing Spider-Man 2 The Rise of Electro uh, Starring Jamie Foxx As the titular character Electro um, But it stopped there because it just became like this abundance of crazy stories coming out pre-post uh, the Sony hacking, uh, which ah. was revealed everything. Yeah. One of the revelations... Now, when most people hear Sony hacks, I think, is he talking about Adam Sandler? <laughs> no. This is, in fact, about the uh, the email hacks in which Amy Pascal's yeah. emails were hacked The producer of the Spider-Man franchise. She got North And Korea's. on the record, I want to say, big Adam Sandler fan. Yeah. yeah. Probably one fans. of my biggest idols. Adams, I feel like you're saying that in a facetious tone. I'm not. But you're he being actually serious. Yeah, he's my, an icon. Cameron and I have ones. campaigned. Uh, we started a campaign for Adam Sandler to win an Oscar for his next film, Uncut Gems. We yeah. really are. I haven't even seen it yet, but I've seen press. Sh- I've yeah. seen shots from set, and I think he'll win an Oscar for it. Yeah. Plus, I think 100% Fresh should be nominated for, for best. It should have won a Grammy. Was it should have won a Grammy for best. Best comedy, comedy release. Comedy yeah. album, best it's comedy the release. best. It's the best stand-up thing that's come out. In like it's the only years. one I watched twice last year. Ooh, I've watched it. Yeah, I watched it a lot. I love it. It's the best. Yeah, um, it is so, so no, funny. Sorry, Adam Sandler, if you are listening, that joke was at your expense, but it was sarcastic. And I we, saw an opportunity. Cameron's upset. <laughs> I went for it. I feel humiliated that I've thrown you under this bus. A lot of comedians uh, start out their life as victims of bullying or bullies. Cameron, unfortunately, was yep. a bully, and that's where he's, was, yeah. his laughter and funniness comes from. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but it is—it's a great joy to riff with you, uh, but um, it, so it the amazing Spider-Man, as well. <laughs> <laughs> the amazing Spider-Man. One of the other things that they were going to do that I think really signaled the death of Sony as the primary caretaker of Spider-Man, mm. where people were just going like, "What the fuck is wrong with you? Why are you wanting to do?" this they want to do an aunt may spin-off film <laughs> of the early years of her as like an espionage oh type agent <clears throat> like and an agent carter sort of yeah thing. like an agent carter thing they wanted her to be, and when i say agent carter we're not talking about <laughs> rush hour <laughs> rush hour rush two, two three. three yeah we're not talking about that but um Which they... <laughs> guy, of course big fan of. huge fan you love those rush hours. Yeah, yeah. Specifically the blooper reels. Uh, some <laughs> yeah. really good bloopers in yeah. there. I was actually saying, because they, we watched this on Blu-ray. Yeah. Mm. And this is uh, one of the very... And when I say Blu-ray, I don't mean Ray <laughs> Romano if he was sad. <laughs> or swearing on stage. <laughs> but this is one of the really exciting films that has been adapted from film to Blu-ray. Not a lot of films get that treatment, <laughs> but it was adapted from film cinematic experience to home Blu-ray experience. Yeah, very, ni- very nice to watch something that has the special features built in. Yep. Yeah. So we saw some bloopers, and then, of course, we started yep. reminiscing about the iconic blooper reels. <laughs> the yep. best blooper reels of all time. In fact, Cam, you were saying you thought you would have slotted right in on set, just joking around, not even actually acting, but mostly <laughs> yeah. playing the role of morale booster <laughs> in between takes. I think all of us would be great acting in a movie um, just purely for for the blooper reel and never making it to the final Didn't you, you auditioned to be the warm-up guy for the takes of Spider-Man <laughs> and, Homecoming. And they, they said, we actually don't need one of those. <laughs> There's no audience. Yeah. There's no it's audience. It's just the crew and we don't really have money to... Yeah. to sign your cover letter. <laughs> if, if, Cam, if Cam was on a Rush Hour movie, I think Chris Tucker would probably say, damn, he's not going to be in Rush Hour 3 because we shall not hire him back. <laughs> Yes, alright, so Rush Hour 2 So that's Agent Carter, <laughs> that's why that connection was yep. made yep. Agent Carter was a reaction Runaway to the Aunt May <laughs> but they, they, there was our cry for that. People just going like, "This is such a strange idea," and mm-hmm. I think Marvel saw its opportunity <clears throat> to put their little hand out and say, "Hey, bring Spidey back home. Mm. Let's give him a good homecoming, if you will." 
and getting back into the MCU. And I was skeptical how they could bring that character yeah. back in to the fold of a franchise that had already had like over a dozen entries at this point. And also, it was only two years after The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Like this, I thought this, the turnaround for the last episode, hmm. five episodes, like we're never going to beat that. The next hmm. episode, it's the fastest <laughs> turnaround ever for a rebooted I franchise. I didn't realise that. Incredible. Wow. A hmm. triumph over serious fatigue. Yeah. Like, yeah. But well, I guess we need to figure out why it was such just because, oh God, a success. <laughs> I've forgotten how to talk. <laughs> well, shall we swing into the episode? Let's swing in. Listen, I know school sucks. Peter, you still with us? Uh, yeah, yeah. I know you want to save the world, but you're not ready yet. You're the Spider-Man. No, I'm not. I'm not. This is just a costume. This is from the ceiling. Stay close to the ground and stay out of trouble. Forget the flying monster guy. There are people who handle this sort of thing. I'm sick of him treating me like a kid all the time. But you are a kid. This is my chance to prove myself. Spider-Man Homecoming 2017, directed by John Watts. Homework can wait. The city can't. Following the events of Captain America Civil War, Peter Parker, with the help of his mentor Tony Stark, tries to balance his life as an ordinary high school student in Queens, New York City, with fighting crime as his superhero alter ego Spider-Man as a new threat, the Vulture emerges. I think I read that in the wrong time, but um, <laughs> it did make sense. I thought page. you were making that up off the top of your head. <laughs> he does. Alexi does famously close his eyes and start to tremble at a very like a vibrating phone when he says mm. these things. So it's hard to tell if he's it's really hard. making it, it up. It does yeah. look like I'm channeling something, but I was reading that <laughs> off Letterbox.com. It's their synopsis that they provide. But Cameron, you mm. had seen we've reviewed Spider-Man: Homecoming before, yeah, uh, many years ago when it first came out. But this week, what you did was you went back to the original source Captain America Civil War <laughs> the original War. source material Captain yeah. America Civil War have you seen that one guy I've not seen that you haven't seen it no oh my god it's the introduction of Tom Holland's Spider-Man it's the first time we get to see him you know the beauty of the MCU what's that they'll catch you up right at the top of the movie no questions asked that's true don't worry about it you don't need to you don't need to really think about it you don't really need to know about it but let me tell you I forgot how uh complete this character was straight away when you first see him in Civil War. Also, I forgot Marissa Tomei is in it as well as Aunt May. Marissa Tomei, Aunt May, Aunt Tomei. <laughs> okay, delete that. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think maybe the issue is I didn't quite understand the context of the riff. If you could so, walk it back. Okay. Yeah. So Marissa Tomei plays, she's a wonderful actor, extremely beautiful. And, Oscar-winning uh, actor. Oscar-winning actor for My Cousin Vinny, 1991. And she, uh, she plays Aunt May in this. Oh, so, so what was uh, the joke you uh, made? Tommy. <laughs> I'm deleting it. No, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. That stays in. If our record. shit riffs are in, your Strike shit riffs are in. Strike the record. All right, here's the deal. We get introduced to Spidey through none other than Tony Stark, who it turns out has been keeping an eye on this little kid from Queens who's been you know, up to no good perhaps, or perhaps to a bit too much good. Mm, keeping, doing well. Doing well around the neighborhood for the past six months. Tony Stark, he's he's got eyes everywhere. And he in a moment of need, he's like, I gotta team I gotta team up with a bunch of dudes to fight Captain America, etc. I'm mm-hmm. gonna have to pull some random dudes out of the woodwork. Yep. Or the web work. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I need a guy who's good with ropes and slinging shit around. So he reaches out to this 16-year-old boy. Hey, guess what? I'm going to offer you a Stark internship. I'm going to give you a new suit. But you have to do a little something for me. You have to come to Berlin and fight Captain America with me. Yeah. And then there's the fight. And then that's the last time you see Spider-Man until this movie. Yeah. But he's fucking great in it straight away. Like within 20 seconds of being on screen, I was like, this is the Peter Parker I've been wanting in this whole... This the whole time. Forever. For absolutely forever. I hated Toby Maguire famously. I thought Andrew uh, Garfield was cooler but less clear as to who this character was. What his Tra- motivations yeah, are. Trapped in a bad Yeah. Bad version of the like, franchise. Yeah, exactly. He's a good actor, competent actor. But I think immediately this is what it should have been. He's not a depressed nerd. He's just like a um A D D like 
guy who's excited to be working with his heroes. I think that's the version of Spider-Man that it always should have been. I think it really captures this perfect thing where we're trying to see them like make Andrew Garfield cool and a nerd at the same time. Mm. Whereas this just embraces what a modern nerd is. It's just like a 14, 15 year old kid who's on that cusp of being an older teen who still has the interests of a younger teen or younger kid that wants to play with toys and have fun and have low stakes in his life Mm. and just have fun goofing around. And when he puts on the suit, you're seeing the that complete that attitude completely be embodied and built up by someone who's now has the strength and the power of a superhero yeah. and someone who has the an- anonymity that comes with that can now it makes sense for why Spider-Man becomes funny and cocky when he's got the suit on. He says something in uh, in Civil War where Tony says to him, "Why don't you just like you're strong now? You know, why don't you just play football or something? Become like a football star." And he says, um, well, I didn't play football before, so wouldn't it be weird if all of a sudden I was a football star? Which is like a great point. Like, yeah. what, what else is he going to do with these powers and this strength that he's never had before? He can't just be publicly doing strong shit around school where everyone would notice, so he has to put the mask on and, be, and hide. He's, he's pretty. He is still pretty clumsy in like, covering his tracks as, yeah. as Spider-Man. That's and, true. And like, for a group of... Uh, you know, academic decathletes. They're you know they're lacking some serious uh, logic, sort of you know, in connective points, aren't they? Where they're like, do you think that they all should be aware that the guy on their decathlon team is Spider Man? I certainly think when he disappears for no apropos of nothing uh, for yeah. the decathlon, and then and he's not in the lift, and then shows Spider Man shows up, mm. and he's there, and they know that he's friends of him. If, well, yeah, and like, they're the same height. If we had a, yeah. <laughs> have the same voice, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I, I like, um, I do like this take on Spider Man. He's the easiest to get on board with. Mm. Uh, he's not depressed. He's he's maybe it's, anxious. It's That's also all it is, it, yeah. it's a testament, I think, to Marvel finding its voice as a like you know as, in terms of what they want to do with all of their superhero mm. franchises because it's just it's fun the mm. whole time. It's fun. Mm. It's like you know I the. Even just thinking tonally of the 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 color grade on like the Tobey Maguire Spider Man, it's so boring and drab. Like, it's a weird thing I have, and this is a childish tick, but mm. I hate when it's nighttime in movies because mm. I'm like, I can't fucking see anything. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the daytime. Like, so much of this movie's in the day. I yeah. love yeah. it. And even the big nighttime finale with uh, the vulture, it's at a it's at a boardwalk park, so there's yeah. lights everywhere and everything. No, man, I'll tell you what the main thing I noticed, the differences between this Peter Parker and the previous ones, is that the first two really hammered home the fact that Spider-Man is depressed and grieving Mm. and mourning and has no one, and he's like a martyr. He's like Christ-like in those, where he he suffers so New York can thrive. Yeah. This one, Peter Parker has like a bunch of friends. And he's part of the community. I think that's yeah. That's like one of the most the guy in the bodega knows him. He's like, "Hey, Peter, yeah, how's your hot aunt or whatever?" And yeah, and Peter's like, "Hey, I'm gonna fuck your daughter one day." I'm uh, just kidding. Give me that sandwich or whatever yeah. the fuck. It's a great riff between people. It's so funny. It's one of the truest Plus riff he has, captures on the script. Yes, he's cool. <laughs> he has his buddy in the chair. He, that guy. Yep. Um, the girls talk to him. At least they seem to like him. And then when he gets his Tony Stark suit. It fucking talks to him. Like, he's yeah. never alone in these movies. Yeah. He's never a man struggling with his the weight of his responsibilities. He always has someone guiding him to the point that his suit seems to be doing most of the work later in the movie. And it's not the memory of Uncle Ben getting murdered and yeah. going with great power comes great responsibility. It's not... It's nev- that message is very lightly touched on in, I think... Civil War. Yeah, I think Tony Stark like says something and they don't say the line. He just talks he says, about Uncle Ben. Why would you? Why do you want to do this? And he says because if you have the power to do good and you don't, and then bad things happen, it's your fault. And that's enough to go. Mm. Oh, that's all the backstory. And I'm need. watching at home and I'm like, I think he's talking about Uncle Ben. That's his, what I think he's talking about. His ill-fated uncle, who tragically we did lose. We did. Uh, uh, unfortunately, we lost Uncle Ben. You're a clever boy. Yeah. You've, you, they've given you, you know, they've given you an assignment, and you've yeah. done the homework. I felt like I'd done the homework because yeah. I just watched uh, five Spider-Man movies before. <laughs> yeah. This. yeah, back to back. I, <laughs> yeah. 
I also love that they imbue like this. I mean, you describe him as a nerd, and I guess in a sense he is. But it's mm. also like it's not. Uh, it's co- it's he's a confident nerd. You know, mm. like he's got yeah. self belief when he gets the option to like di- you know and he does cheeky things like when he gets the option to dis- like to disable the training wheels yeah. mode and like realize the full potential of his suit. He's like absolutely. Yeah. He backs himself. Yeah. You know, and then he, he ifs and jeffs around and he actually struggles a little bit, everybody. But uh, <laughs> he does. He's not prepared to take the training wheels off, can I just say? He, yeah. he shouldn't have done that, but uh, boy, were we lucky he did because it led to many hijinks. Yeah. <laughs> if you, Alexi, if you were Peter Parker and you realized there was a training wheels program on your suit, would you have taken it off? No, I will be like, Mr. Stark knows well for me. He looks after me. He cares about <laughs> me enough to put these in. And I'm sure that he's put it in his mind and in the suit for when I'm ready, they will allow me to do it. But that's the kind of guy I am. I'm a fucking loser dweeb. I'm, <laughs> I'm right there with you. When he's doing that, I'm like, this isn't going to go well. Yeah, yeah, this is the smartest guy on the planet. The guy, the richest guy. He built the freaking suit. He's like Elon Musk. He is like... That's really interesting. He is like Elon Musk. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I've got an idea for a movie. <laughs> it's a documentary about Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you guys find this Peter Parker a relatable guy? Do you feel like more than more so than Toby Garfield? And Andrew Garfield. Do you find yeah, this character? I relate to Garfield the most because I do love lasagnas. <laughs> and you hate Mondays. I do dislike Mondays. And my best friend is a dog and a man. And I cummed in his glass once and he drank it. <laughs> Infamous Garfield comic strip. Uh, but I do find him relatable because it is that true version of a teen. Everyone has that point where you are moving into the next phase of your life during adolescence, mm-hmm. but you do miss the toys of your younger years. Like you want to like, it's that transitional phase that everyone goes through mm. where, and you're stuck in high school where there's kids around you growing up faster. I remember there was a, one of my most vivid memories from high school is a worker when I watched this where me and my nerdy friends were sitting, like we have a little table in our math class together and a new boy came to school and he was he was just older than us. He was the same age, but he was a man. Mm. Like he was a man. We were a all Joe 14. Manginello type. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was a Joe Manginello Flash type <laughs> from this first Spider Man movie. He was just way more mature. And he said to me, he said to us, "It's like, hey man, what's this sound?" And we're just like, "That's you clapping." And he said, "Nah, man, that's the sound your balls make when you're slapping up on a chick." And then my friend verbatim said. Oh, we're more into video games. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's what this take on Spider-Man is, is that exact moment in your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. Now, can you do that sound again for me? I just want to hear what it sounds like. <laughs> wow, shit. I just, the guy, uh, if you're changing high schools as a uh, mm. you know, post-adolescent teen or whatever, mm. it's got to be... I guess there's probably post-adolescent teens who are already at the high school, but I was thinking it'd be challenging to slot into like you know a group of younger people when yeah. the hormones that are surging through your body are not necessarily encouraging you to, you know, slap your balls against people. <laughs> <laughs> but the the shit that you might want to find entertaining or have yeah. fun with isn't there. Yeah, exactly. You're just like, yeah, I just want to play Game Boy or whatever. Yeah. This guy's freaking getting laid. Oh, man. I remember um, me and all my friends were standing around talking about girls in the eight or something. Mm. And one of my friends, <laughs> I'll never forget I it. can already tell that this guy's <laughs> about to be an absolute legend. And this guy rules. But like everyone <laughs> was talking it. about chicks. Like, are you going to go to the dance? And who's going to try and hook up with people or whatever? And one of my friends, Jason, just got really frustrated with all this girl talk and just went... What have happened to just... We used to just play Red Rover. Why can't we just go back to playing Red Rover? Why do we have to stand around talking about this stuff? And I just... I'll always remember that as like a key moment of adolescence. Yeah. Of being like, God, we are trapped between worlds right where's, yeah. where's Jason now? Jason is married. He's got a kid on the way. He's starting pro Red Rover circles. <laughs> yeah. Extreme Red what Rover. What a drag. The peer pressure got to Jason in a big way. <laughs> <laughs> I... Yeah, I, I related heavily to this this spot. It's actually it stirred in me. Like I remember because I went to single sex schools in a very like in a conservative city in mm. New Zealand. Mm. Just this hankering, this deep seated craving for like 
co-educate like to be around mm. girls during that time yep. to just normalize the whole experience so it didn't feel so fucking mortifying like i was w- watching it unfurl <laughs> from a distance yeah. you know yeah like my shit's happening over here and then over there it's happening for you know yeah and it's like it, it does it, it transplants you right back to that time like we were getting really excited about the the seeds of romance scenes between yes. um Peter Parker and what's his romantic interest's name in this film? Uh, the first romantic mm. interest is Laura Harrier Liz. Liz, yeah, yeah. Like how exciting it is to see Peter Parker and Liz like dancing around, liking each other, and how much I wanted that experience oh, as a teenager yeah. of that age. And it's like you know, in addition to all the incredible, like the action sequences in this movie are fantastic, mm. and the stakes are always perfectly pitched. But like that storyline where it's like you really are like right there with them you're like oh man yeah Yeah. you know it's really fucking good it immediately takes you back there the stakes are so evenly pitched between the action and the world of spider-man and the world of peter parker where you just feel the same way about both things even though one is kind of life and death and the other is just like uh social suicide it's not (laughs) even subtext it's the villain of this movie is his potential girlfriend's dad it's like it's right there how good is that reveal i love that reveal guy and i were freaking out the whole time knowing that reveal was gonna happen (laughs) it is sensational i remember seeing that in the cinema and be like oh you got me yeah me too too. i felt tricked yeah but i was also so happy i got and thinking just being like how can they possibly resolve all of these balls in the (laughs) air like it's impossible for him to wind up with liz and you know like save the day oh and it's it's so phenomenally done. Like now knowing what that little twist is going into this film, just seeing the moments of realization. Like as soon as he opens the door, Peter knows, mm. and then he, Peter is just like so stone faced and so cold and so scared. And then Michael Keaton's trying to be like this nice dad I love who's that. trying to put Such this kid at ease at like because he's about mm. to date his daughter, and it's just like this nice dad character. It's like. Holy fuck! Only Michael Keaton could fucking do this. I know, this. right? Yeah. I can't think of any other actor who could it's do it. Second maybe. best performance after the other guys. Oh, it great! Might be. Don't go chasing waterfalls. Yeah, yeah. great performance. <laughs> he's, he's one of the best. One, he's one of your favorite actors. One for of sure, my isn't one he? of my idols for sure. Beetlejuice Sandman and <laughs> yeah. the Sandman and Keaton. Do you mean um, Thomas Hayden yeah. Church, Sandman? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. I, yeah. Do. Uh, I love it. I also remember hearing at the time that this movie was coming out that they were modelling it on the John Hughes mm. movie. I don't know how much that was just marketing spin or like a, a fun way to describe this movie coming out, but do you feel like it has that kind of... Like, it feels like if it wasn't a superhero movie, it's still a pretty decent high school movie. Mm. Like, it feels like a kind of 80s inspired... But yeah, I mean, we were just... We were all reminiscing about very vivid like experiences and mm. recollections from yeah. high school, which is a testament to that. That's that true. Part That's of the so film. true. And we haven't done that on either of the movies we've recorded. No, they before. don't feel like high school movies or teenage like they're, yeah, movies. Yeah, they're, they're trapped between worlds and like age and age groups, and it's just it, it, they're dissatisfying mm. experiences. But this is like it seriously transplants you. It's yeah. the same way that if you if we were to watch and review. Uh, super bad or American Pie. We'd be sharing stories about like yeah. it's inextricable. Like, this is a fucking high school movie. The it same way those movie. are, but then it's also Spider Man fucking around New York City and like you know webbing up baddies. Well, uh, should we talk about uh, the Vulture as a villain? Yeah, we should. Michael Keaton, of course, iconically has played Birdman and Batman before this, mm. so it's like I think it's really cool to see him. In a, from a cultural standpoint to become the villain and I think this performance as Vulture is maybe still the best performance in the Marvel Cinematic Universe especially as far as villains go like I, up there with Michael B. Jordan for sure up there with Michael B. Jordan I think um, uh, Josh Brolin as Thanos now in Thanos. the Thanos. I go with Thanos. He's great. Is that the Greek one? Yeah, Thanos. Yeah. <laughs> Thanos. You'd be fun to watch that with at the cinema. <laughs> yeah. I was cheering him on. I'm like, the Greek guy's the hero now. <laughs> Thanos. Let's go, Thanos. Um, and I think it's like, I think those two are both great as well. And mm. Kate Blanchett, I love in Ragnarok as mm. well. And I think they finally, this is the film where they hit their stride with villains mm. because it's built into the personal stakes of the character as well. In the way that Spider Man. All the Spider-Man villains kind of have been. In yeah, cinema. they're all father figures in some way, or they have a tie to his 
parents or his mm. desires as a scientist or whatever the fuck. But this so, is the one that bakes it in perfectly. Yeah. And it's so hidden the way to find out that that it is it relates to his real world as well as his spider world. Yeah, because you are already so engaged and happy just to have Michael Keaton in the movie mm-hmm. playing Vulture. So yeah. that is another part of why that twist is so satisfying because it just like it sews everything up into such a neat package. Yeah. yeah. It's like it's so much bigger than just he's the vulture. And it's that kind of Beetlejuicey thing that he does where it's like he rides a line of like actually funny, funny to the people around him in the film funny for us at home mm. and then fucking terrifying mm. like it's it's so well done like there's stuff in there that's just i also think this is the only marvel movie that has a, before ragnarok that has baked in comedy not just funny yeah like the true. other ones are like oh captain america and tony stark are funny dudes that make each other laugh mm. but there's no comedy there it's just people being funny yeah but then this has like got actual comedy it feels in there like that doesn't all the other ones the uh had comedy that comes from punch up like yeah from Joss Whedon getting the script after the fact and going, hey, why don't we just make Tony Stark call him Point Break here or whatever the fuck. Yeah, yeah but this has clearly got set pieces in it. Like and the- baked in comedy. Like Guy and I freaked out in the one of the final action sequences with oh, Spider-Man yeah. versus Shocker and he gets thrown into a bus and he's like underneath the, the seat and there's gum on it. He says, ew. And then we have a cutaway of the gum. And then <laughs> guy flipped out. Yeah, well, I was like, what? I mean, who's putting that? Who's got the confidence to write that in in the first place yeah. and then leave it in <laughs> yeah. and then shoot it? Because it's like, it just, it, it's, it, is, it smacks of a movie that knows exactly what it's doing. It's so confident. Because, yeah, I mean, I don't understand why that's, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. and in the context of just a superhero movie, you're like, get it out of here. Why are we doing that? Yeah. But in this one, it makes perfect sense. And it's like, it, it keeps you rooted in the teenage, you know. That's true. Know. It's got that like fun teenage sensibility where everything is a bit of a joke. Nothing is 100% serious. And all of the all of the extras or all of the, I don't know if they're, I don't know if they're oh, extras. Like the featured players. Yeah, yeah. Like all of, the, all of the other high school students are really, really funny. Like yeah. even the, the kid when they're having a conversation outside the chess club when Shocker and his, the other yeah. henchmen show up to find that. <laughs> and he's like just looking through the window. He's like, what are you doing? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That kid's really funny. Or the kid in the bathroom when he's talking to Happy at the end of the movie. Like that kid's really, like. He takes his moment to wash his They're hitting hand. a lot of <laughs> comedy beats in a way where it is the film out the whole world with like funny moments or characters That's and then true. you've got martin star yeah. as one of the teachers and you've hannibal got burris. hannibal burris yeah. as the pe teacher yeah and it's just like this is a comedy cast for the really yeah. it feels or, like or it. even that you know like seeing spider-man mastering his powers or like trying to figure out how to help out when he 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 like accuses the person who's just trying to get into the car of stealing the car yeah. like that's a big <laughs> yeah. laugh line yeah that's yeah. great. It's so good. And like that, that, I think that's one of the things is like surrounding Spider-Man is we have this wonderful version of New York City mm. that I think in the first Spider-Man franchise, Cameron had this great line that I will never forget where he said, this is the heir to Ghostbusters New York. Like that's what the Sam Raimi films <laughs> feel like. They're Ghostbusters films. Then we've got the amazing Spider-Man films. I couldn't tell you what their no, take on New Twilight. York is. It's just Twilight. It's just like it's just like a bland city. May as well be fucking Toronto. Probably was filmed there after yeah. all. Yeah. But then this one, I was trying to figure out what it is because it's got this kind of like ethnic cultural melting pot that feels very true to New York City and where the area that like Peter Parker would be living in now. And I was like, this is like the Hey Arnold version of New York City. <laughs> yes, like, good. It's just like these little funny characters and everyone, <laughs> it's a community. And like, that's what the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man should be living in. It should be in this, like be the pillar of his community that everyone kind of rouses around him. And they're doing it around Peter Parker as well, not just Spider-Man. And I think that's like, that's the big take for me on this movie. Is that's like, that's what take. it works. And that's why it works is it's finally he's the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. It's so nice to talk about enjoying a movie. <laughs> oh, tell me about it. We have to watch so much crap because well, of yeah, reboots. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you simply must. <laughs> you just have to catch up with the Tim Burton remake of Planet of the Apes. You have to catch up with it. Um, yeah, I pity all the amount of shit you must have to talk about. It's just otherworldly. Oh, my God. I'll tell you, hey, I want to talk a little bit about um, Vulture's place within the MCU. Yes. And how fucking weird it was when I realized this. Because obviously his character exists Mm. uh, as a villain as a result of the Avengers experience in New York. Yeah, the 2012 Avengers film. Yeah, so 
he what he's been hired as a contractor to clean up the mess. He's a working by, class man yeah. by the Avengers and the Chithari and the Chithari, <laughs> and then that gets taken over by Shield, so mm-hmm. he loses a job and becomes evil as a result of this. And as I was watching this, I realized that almost every movie that has come after the Avengers is about everyone hating the Avengers and how they ruined the villains existing because of the Avengers. Mm. Or PTSD in the case of Iron Man and Ultron and all that shit. Like, what a strange backbone to build a superhero franchise on. Is the negative effects of yeah. the, the, the world-changing event that happened. And it's the biggest superhero franchise in the world. And it largely revolves around the fact that the Avengers have done arguably more harm than good. It's satisfying though. It's more it's moreish. Like that's what yeah. that's what makes you want to watch another one or like that's what yeah. makes you invested in them is because you're like in, instead of just being like here are these heroes and they do these incredible do things without any consequence. The them, yeah. yeah. It's like yeah, there's like, you know, you're seeing the Im- you're seeing the impacts. Yeah. Like you you're seeing them thread it through and like qualify the bad behaviors that they then dispel. Like it's such a bigger thing than just it does feel it somehow grounds it in a and weird way. These are, by the way, the fun and friendly superhero <laughs> movies. Like these are the whole <laughs> yeah. family. Yeah, and like then the you look at the DC universe films, and they are just like their joy vacuums. Like there's <laughs> no fun in them at all, except for Aquaman and Wonder Woman, which are, I, I really like both of those movies. They're very fun, but uh, they don't. But they're also not analyzing what the impact of these people are doing. Like fucking Man of Steel, he basically destroys Metropolis. Mm. He destroys the whole city and then there's no consequence for it in the next film. Mm. Like you see the towers and stuff falling from the perspective of Ben Affleck as like an accountant Batman (laughs) running through. And then that's it. You're not, they're not really getting down. It doesn't, I mean, there's stuff like lawsuits and shit in that. What is that movie? So sorry, I got lost. <laughs> I got lost in trying to explain that film and why. But that's what the problem is. Like yeah. these films are very. That's the the very subtle message. Well, I guess of them, they didn't that... try to cram all of that into one sequel. It's like literally every film since the mm. first one has referred, or since first Avengers has referred to the New York incident, or there's been the Sokovia Accords, yeah. or even Ant Man has. There's a line in Ant Man where Hank Pym goes like, oh, why would I call the Avengers? I'd probably just drop a city on us or something yeah. like that. Like, people hate them. Where, yeah. where is the control room? The reason that they can do this is like how far out, you know, what freakish number of masterminds are in a room like with this mapped out literally as far as you can see in every direction. There must you know? be, right? Yeah. They say that Kevin Feige is the main guy who He's sees, the architect. sees where this franchise goes. But do you think... There's just a group of 50 people that go, oh, you can have one character say a negative thing about them in this movie because, don't worry, in the next one they're going to do a really great thing. Well, I think... I think it is mainly him and there are mistakes. Like this film in particular, Spider-Man Homecoming, it's like 2012, it starts Michael Keaton, cut to eight years later and apparently that timeline doesn't add up for Peter to be that right age and for things to have moved on because I don't think enough time has passed or something like that. Like that's an error. But apart from that, God bless them, they did a good job. (laughs) but i think it is mainly kevin feige who did he co-produced this this is the one that he has a co-producer credit on mm. with amy pascal who is the sony producer because this has like a very strange deal this film because it is spider-man is still retained by sony they own the rights to it but they were able to do co-production with Marvel and Marvel basically be doing all the creative work and building the films. Sony does like all the marketing and puts money into it and stuff and they get majority share of the profits. So it's co-produced between him and Amy Pascal who's a former studio head of mm. Sony and the caretaker of a Spider-Man. It's, it's a very different bodily reaction I have. If I see the Sony logo come up at the top mm. of the film, I'm like, oh, okay. But if you see that Marvel, mm. you know the MCU, yeah. that slide coming up, you're like fucking a, like I'm yeah. in for it. You know, like it's it's quality control now. You know you're in for a really like it's, yeah. it might not even be a movie for you, yeah. but you're like happy to be there. Exactly. I think I, it's just like it's usually with these Marvel movies, just mindless entertainment. You know, no matter what's going to happen, you're going to go, oh, that was a movie yeah. I saw. Like that was good. I enjoyed it. It's but, funny, man. I hadn't seen any of them until Age of Ultron. I'd like avoided it. I was like, oh, comic book. I'm mm. not like big on that. And then when Age of Ultron was coming out, 
I just went, oh, I'll watch, I'll watch the first Iron Man or something. Yeah. And then I just have seen every single thing that has come out. <laughs> and now I know about the Sokovia Accords. Yeah, you what pulled that fuck? out of nowhere. Yeah. 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 The other day someone was like, what's um, Paul Bettany's character's name? And I'm like, The Vision. Okay? Yes, he <laughs> The Vision. <laughs> he's also Tony Stark's uh, Jarvis, his computer. He was Jarvis first, then he became The Vision. I've somehow just, and it is I interesting enjoy them. They feel like Spielberg movies. It's also me. interesting that Spider-Man's uh, head computer is actually played by Jennifer Connelly, Paul Bettany's wife in real life. So it's interesting in that film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The roofs are fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, what, uh, what the fuck were we talking about? We're just talking about the film in general. Oh, yeah. what, so, what the are Pascal the... uh, Feige that's, connection That's the whole there. thing. That's, I don't have anything else to say about that. Well, that's the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we could just go, what else do we want to talk about? We've talked about... We haven't talked about, like, other recurring characters from the other Spider-Mans. Like Aunt May, MJ, mm. Flash. Oh yeah, you talk, why don't you talk about Marissa? Aunt oh May? my God. Okay, so I actually think Marissa Tomei's Aunt May is like the thing that defines this film. The casting of her, I think that is their bold statement of like this is a brand new take on Spider Man. She's young. She's young. She's hot. She's Marissa Tomei, and I think <laughs> that <laughs> I think that is like I try and really, keep it to the movie. Yeah, I think. <laughs> I think that is a huge signifier by, of Marvel going like, this is what we're going to do. Because the first Spider-Man, it's Rosemary Harris, who fucking, her first language is Aramaic. She's so old. Like, she's <laughs> she's so old. Like, she's so old. And, like, just, like, the, like how can she even know this teenage boy? Like The it's first a- movie she was in was um, Train Pulling in a Station. <laughs> 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 yeah, she. The reason they did cut out like the two tower, the twin towers from the original Spider-Man movie was because it reminded her of when the Tower of Babel fell down, <laughs> <laughs> and she couldn't handle it. They had to cut it all out. So she, she's extremely old. She fucking hung out with Jonah, the fucking whale that is <laughs> inside the whale. Well, J. Jonah Jameson. Um, but and then the second one, they get Sally Field, who again, like we said, is the perfect Aunt May on paper but then they don't give her anything to do this one they give her plenty to do Mm. and they cast it with like someone who's young and vibrant and so not what you think in your head Aunt May could possibly be Mm. and I think it just shows like this is a whole new thing that we're doing and I think that that's to me I think she's the key to this film and the key to my heart. I love her. She's the best. I've always loved Marissa Tomei. <laughs> honestly, she's one of my favorite actors. I, when I was a kid, my mum's favorite movie, she showed me My Cousin Vinny, mm. the film that she won the Academy Award for. A lot of people say that fucking Jack Palance read the wrong name coming out of that envelope. But no, she's phenomenal in that movie against Joe Pesci uh, <laughs> as an attorney. And I think it is such a funny movie. We've never seen My Cousin Vinny chuck it on. <laughs> chuck it on. She's so good in it. I love her so much. But it is, well, because I loved her so much, I got thinking, re-watching this movie, I did like a dream casting of who Uncle Ben could have been played by. Oh, really? Yeah, because I was just like... Opposite that's, her Aunt May. Opposite her Aunt May. Like, who could it, who could it mm-hmm. even have been? And obviously, number one, Joe Pesci. <laughs> <laughs> They've worked together before. I was like, that would be so brilliant to have him. To have Joe Pesci as Uncle Ben. And with Greg Power. Just like, just really, really going crazy. Greg Power comes great responsibility, you fucking fucking. But also, he'd be like a million. He'd be yeah. Rosemary Harris to get who, up in Who there. else have you got on there? I also put down Ray Liotta. Oh yeah, that's a good uh, Ray Romano. Perfect. Casting. I would love to see Ray Romano. Perfect casting as Uncle Ben. Can you imagine? You can imagine him. You know, as we've that mentioned character. Ray Romano in every podcast for the last like three in a row, <laughs> and also <laughs> through all of Fighting Drago. <laughs> Ray Romano was the third lead of that podcast. Uh, then I also put Jeff Garland. Because I thought Jeff, you Garland, love Jeff I Garland. also is one of my favorite actors. Like, Cameron just pointed at me, looked at Guy, and said, You're obsessed with Jeff Garland. <laughs> I think it's so Proper funny bully. that you love Jeff Garland. Yeah, Jeff Garland is my favorite comedian. I'll say it out loud. Seriously? I think he is. Yeah, he is. I love him. Uh, he'd Absolutely be great, though. He'd be great. He'd be great because you can imagine him doing it. You can see them together. I, yeah. I was like, That'd be mm. great. But then I got down <laughs> to it and I was like, Really trying to. I also put Adam Sandler and Steve Carell because I thought they could do yeah. Oh, yeah. They just could do it like in their sleep both of those guys but then I got really thinking like who could it be that just fits into this world and fits into because I mean 
I mean, Marissa Tomei is Italian. Peter Parker is not Italian. He's related by Richard Parker, his dad, to Uncle Ben Parker. <laughs> and I was like, what about fucking Ethan Hawke? Because oh, Ethan yeah. Hawke, we're talking reality bites, he could yeah. so be like that, good idea. that mentoring character. He'd be working class. Working he's... class. And the, like, talk about fucking boyhood. The guy's yeah, raised dude. a kid for 12 years. He can do it for one movie and then die. I'd love to see Ethan Hawke in there. But I also would like to see Ethan Hawke play a bad guy. In yeah. These movies. Well, Uncle Ben comes back and spits the bullet out. What about uh, <laughs> like the other guy? What about uh, Jason Alexander? As that George? was the other one because <laughs> I did I did have that thought. I didn't put him on the Very list. Very New York. <laughs> yeah. Very New York. He dated Marissa Tomei already. They got back together after they broke up on Seinfeld. <laughs> That's perfect. I thought Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, they have dated as well great. in movies. Yeah. Before the devil knows you're dead. Mm. Uh, but I would love sadly, to the see devil know, do, does know that Philip Seymour and is dead. <laughs> so he will not he's be saying he's in hell. When Philip Seymour I think, I think, no, I think all parties involved in the afterlife, they've got a full sort of register of people. Yeah. Who are, do you think the devil's like, I might watch a Philip Seymour Hoffman movie, and then a demon's like, he actually passed away. Get him over, do a monologue. Like, Get him to do a monologue for me. Perform live. I want to see along came Polly. That's why he's down here after all. All right, that's good. MJ, we got a new MJ this yeah, time around. Yeah, we got Zendaya is Meiji love, or MJ. <laughs> love MJ in this movie, yeah. if only for not knowing that it's MJ. It makes a similar statement to the young Aunt May, I think, mm. where it's yes. like, you know, you've got this red herring. And yep. Is it Liv or Liz? Well, Liz. she's not red herring. Liz. That's what Kirsten Dunst did. She hey, wore red hair. Okay, we're having fun. <laughs> it's the boys and we're hanging out. If you can't keep up, turn off the podcast. Go find someone else. It's a it? walk. NPR. <laughs> um, no, but I, I think it's the same thing. Like I completely forgot about that little that little uh you know, that little button at the mm. end. Where she goes, My friends call me MJ. It's similar to like Mary Jane Watson. Yeah. But it's just that's for my initials, Michelle Jones, J. probably. <laughs> yeah. I I, I I love the MJ and love also MJ. like not again just like a you know this independent sort of high school this mm. is sort of in mm. that John Hughes world like mm. this sort of quirky student yeah, yeah. she's kind of dark she's got like the Ali Shady thing from Breakfast Club going on she's I love mysterious it. she's yeah. nasty and we don't like there's none of that she built-in may have stuff. a crush on him yeah or she may not give a shit about it yeah it's yeah. hard to tell she I also love says it. she's not obsessed with him she just notices things I love uh, Flash in this yeah first Tony Revolori yeah he's great first of all I love that the school is a science high school rather than just a normal high school so everyone is a nerd I think that's a really fun choice yeah, that great choice rather than it's like Peter Parker's the sole nerd at Midtown. Yeah. This one's like, no, they're all dorks. And Flash, yeah. the bully of the school, is also a massive dork. He's just but a rich and dork. And his, his alphaness comes from money and that he's smarter than everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. But he's he's thick in the movie. Like, he's, of all the nerds, he's thick in this movie, isn't he? Like, what? he's a I bench he's player like on a, the, on oh, the decathlon. True. He's yeah. benched. Yeah. He's a bench so player. So it's, it's fun. Like, it's a fun subversion to have this alpha energy. I really like, thought you were talking you about his booty. <laughs> He's the thickest of the nerds. Thick with oh yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. <laughs> the kid's got an ass, but uh, yeah, it's, it's like it's fun to see uh, what is meant to be a high status character also be cut down. Yeah, so constantly, and it makes it makes it for great dynamics between them because in the other ones, Flash is like a fucking bully who's mm. just like an irrepentant bully. And then this time is like he teases because he's funny. Like he's he yeah. is the funniest guy at the school. Saying penis Parker, I yeah, mean, that is on. funny. And stuff. then getting the party to chant penis Parker, yeah, that's funny, hilarious. funny stuff. He is the funniest one. That's the funniest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, and this guy knows comedy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. seen every episode of Everyone Loves Raymond and Curb Enthusiasm twice. Yeah. Twice. Every episode of Raymond twice. Have you seen every yeah. Raymond? Twice. Yeah, Cameron's seen every Raymond, every Family Guy, every Cleveland <laughs> show. <laughs> Most of American Dad, so he gets it. This guy's on the level. <laughs> and the complete works of the master, Billy Crystal. <laughs> he was also shortlisted for Uncle Ben for a moment. <laughs> Great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> you look marvelous in that suit. <laughs> Can you dig it? I know that you could. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. God, I love hanging out with my friends. <laughs> 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 
And that's what a good podcast <laughs> feels like. Yeah, it does. Feels like hanging out with a buddy. I feel like that every time I listen to my podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> so we've talked about this film. We've loved it. We sure we've laughed on it. We've also done a lot of other funny stuff. You can go back and listen if you want to uh, relive <laughs> those moments. But coming up next, we do have the sequel to this movie coming out. Uh, I believe later on in this year, mm-hmm. it is called Spider-Man Far From Home. Mm. Yeah. First he was coming home, now he's far from it. Yes. Before we get to that, though, I just want to quickly say oh. he is in Infinity War. Yes, of course. And it's a testament to Tom Holland's performance that he's only got one solo movie. He's in a little bit of Civil War mm. and a little bit of Infinity War. But when he... Uh, dies at the end of Infinity War It's the only sad moment in that movie When he got disintegrated by Thanos himself It is uh, quite sad <laughs> Like I actually got upset Even though I was like Yeah, he's I know Far From Home's coming out in uh, years yeah. So yeah. <laughs> he's clearly not dead But that's a fucking cool thing like, They've done a good job with this character To make yeah. you care about him He's it, got man. stardust all over him It's fucking mm. crazy he's British I mean I, I know. know this is a stupid thing to acknowledge mm. That p- actors do accents But it is I he know. is like the quintessential, apart from his body, which is insane. Mm. <laughs> he does have one of the like truly most one, insane like, bodies. you slightly scary, sort of pervy, you know. Yeah. I mean, I guess you want to see it. Do yeah. you? Me, I, you don't realise well, that you need to see his body until they shot. I guess they're it's like, a well, shock. I guess I'd never thought about it, but then when he takes his shirt off, you're like, oh, he looks like fucking Iggy Pop. Like, yeah, he's, so he's gorgeous. Skinny and It ripped. literally shocks the cum out of you when he takes his stuff off <laughs> for the first time. <laughs> Some webs of your own, yeah, perhaps. Mm. But you know, we mm. like it's so when that moment where he gets out of his school clothes into the costume when he's like in an alleyway, it's very like it's a very funny moment because it's like played in one long take of him doing it. There's great uh, Michael Giacchino scores, like the very funny pizzicato, playful mm. stuff. He's taken off his clothes and it's played for laughs, and then he takes off his top and like fuck. And it's like, yeah. I can't believe this. It, ju- it does actually pull you out of the movie for a second. Yeah, it pulls like, you out. Um, yeah. <laughs> pulled you right out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that is to say, pulled the cum yeah. out of your body. I was wondering what you meant by that. That's yeah. awesome. But then it's like, but you compare it to the first time you see Tobey Maguire's ripped bod in the first Spider-Man movie. It's shocking and it... What? Shocks the puke out of you. It's not right. <laughs> the boy's not right. Was Toby Maguire like a million when he played Peter Parker? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was actually in the Tower of Babel as a film. <laughs> <laughs> he was a survivor. He was so old. I, yeah. I haven't seen it recently, but it doesn't make my recollection, recollection of it really grim. Like they did this really haggard, like, of course he's a <laughs> downcast teen. He looks like he's fucking 90. Yeah. <laughs> he would have been like verging 30 at that point. Like yeah. he looked like literally seeing his head on that Ruth body is wrong. Like it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like everyone's so old and like he's getting bullied by Flash who's played by Joe Mangielanello don't know how to say his name from, uh, from Magic Mike who is one of the most ripped men alive <laughs> has his own workout regime and books and shit yeah and he looks like a statue he looks like a Roman statue he's like yeah he looks like he's been unearthed from Rome he's fucking old as well <laughs> <laughs> Everyone is old in the first Spider-Man. Yeah, it's insane. they had to cast Aunt May a million, so it would look more, it would normalize <laughs> everyone else. But then all the teachers look like who's a student, who's a teacher. Yeah. Like you have it's no all idea. The teachers are wearing ties. That's the only way. You but can in this tell. one, everyone's a teen. Everyone looks like a teen at yeah, least, for you know. Sure, for sure. And Ned, like his friend uh, Jacob Butelon, that's such a good performance as yeah, well, and great. such a good offsider for him. That's and I'm name. glad he's going to be back in the next one, Spider-Man: Far From Home. Hell yeah. And we finally have Jake Gyllenhaal uh, going against Spider-Man as Mysterio. And we've wanted Jake Gyllenhaal to be in this franchise forever. He was almost Spider-Man. He was Aquaman in the in the sequels of the Vinny Chase classics directed by James Cameron on the TV show Entourage. <laughs> <laughs> and that was an ode to him almost being Spider-Man in Spider-Man 2. Really? Yeah, because uh, Tobey Maguire like, fucked up his back or something like that. 
probably because he's fucking old. <laughs> <laughs> but then, but then it's, so they almost they almost recast it as Jake Gyllenhaal. So I feel like we've come full circle. How nice of Entourage to stuff their TV show with little Easter eggs such as this. <laughs> well, there's a lot of references in Entourage. There's stuff like that. There's also it's Mark also, Wahlberg's in it sometimes. It's based on Mark Wahlberg's life. <laughs> no kidding. I feel like they glossed over a lot of the early Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> yeah. So what happened to Vinny Chase before he moved to Hollywood? <laughs> <laughs> Did you do a little stint in the pokey? <laughs> uh, well, that brings us to the end of this discussion of Spider-Man in the MCU. We have got two more episodes left in this mini-series. One of them that will be coming out next is a Patreon-exclusive episode. It is about the Spider-Man spin-off without Spider-Man in it. Venom, starring Michelle Williams. And Thomas Hardy. And Tommy Hardy. <laughs> and uh, that's going to be wild. So if you want to sign up for that one to get that, you can go over to patreon.com slash totalreboot and subscribe for just five bucks a month and you're going to get that episode and much, much more. That's true. And the next one after that? We are going to be doing Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Guy, you've seen it. Oh, you boys are in for a treat. I've never seen it. You've I love it. it. I absolutely love it. Damn. Uh, it's going to be great. Can't wait for that freaking release. That is, that is so fun. And as someone who was like not interested in Spider-Man remotely and mm. saw this and then saw Spider-Verse and was again skeptical, but then like kept hearing how good it was, mm. took myself down for a solo jaunt to Williamsburg Cinemas, 1 p.m. In on a Monday, America. In America. It's an immersive experience because this and film is set in America. It, it was. <laughs> it's set in Brooklyn, no less. And I had, it was, like, it was one of the best movies I would have seen uh, mm. last year. Really? It is. Good? I would have to agree with Guy. I it, really do. It's like, it is, you, you're just going to have a lot of fun. Okay. Well, I wonder if you're going to, I think you will like it, Cameron. Okay. I'm scared of cartoons. Yeah. Because oh. I always imagine. People are weird. At, why are people weird toon, about cartoons? Toontown. I imagine I'll go yeah. to Toontown. They'll put a big pig <laughs> head on me. I'll yeah. have to live in Toontown as a pig. Well, that's scary shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, when you put it like that. Yeah. No other way to put it. Yeah. Guy, is there anything you'd like to plug? Uh yeah, I guess I'm. This is coming out on Friday, so oh, you're doing fantastic. a full run. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing uh, a solo show as part of a whole slate of Australian comedy festivals: Brisbane, Canberra, Gold Coast, Melbourne, and Sydney. Uh, it's called "I Was Part of the Problem" before we were talking about it. Where did that title come from? Uh, it's sort of meant to be said like a brag, like you know when you you, oh, you like, like the I band liked that before it was yeah. Cool. So it's sort of like okay. some some buffoon who's like, well, actually. You know, it's neat that we're all talking about it now, but I was kind of doing this shit before it was in the public That's consciousness. That's good to know. I okay, like I like hearing it that way. Uh, and yeah, it's going to be a good time. Also, there's a live worst idea of all time happening during the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. Oof, mama. Sunday, April 14th at 6pm at the European Beer Cafe. Um, wow. Google that information to find tickets. Go it's almost see sold out, so get on top of it now. You are one of my favourite comedians. Hey. You're in my top five. You said it. I have a Chris Rock top five. Wow. Chris Rock's in my top five. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's named after him, so I yeah. hope it will be. <laughs> and also, you're in my top five, so I cannot recommend going to see Guy Montgomery. Yeah. Uh, enough. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, that was that a funny little me. joke. I and that's why that. you're in my top five, yeah, Cameron, that's because you do you pull pranks like that. I do. I'm a prankster. Any joke where there's a reveal is a prank, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I do you a lot of pranks. at the end of comedy shows. <laughs> <laughs> like, my God, they kept pulling the wool over my eyes this I, whole time. I uh, would like to plug myself. Okay. What do you mean by that? Well, I'll show you. <laughs> Feast your eyes on this. Uh, I'm doing the Brisbane Comedy Festival at the same time as Guy Montgomery, so you could go watch Guy and then watch me. Stick around you, for a you little appetite. You could... Literally make a double bill of it on a few yeah. nights. You're and in you the same double, venue. And you could double date. Yeah. You and your loved one could bring, you know... Two friends. Another couple of friends Three or friends, whatever. four, five. My yeah. God, make it a 10 date. Bring everyone. Bring all <laughs> your friends and their girlfriends and boyfriends. see me. I'll also be the Melbourne Comedy Festival. Get tickets to that. I'll also be watching the Worst Idea of All Time on April 14th at the European Beer Cup. Oh, my God. I might be there, the too. Audience. I want to come really? to the audience and watch a show. That'd be fun. I think mm. it'd be really fun to, to just hang out and watch shows and stuff in Melbourne. So, I will be down, too. You can come watch a show with me at Melbourne Comedy Festival <laughs> during the one week I'll be there. Um, but also, Cameron and I have got an event on March 22nd. Mm. Uh, tickets are almost sold out. It is a live commentary of Rocky Four, which is a movie that we are 
and now will be associated with forever because of Finding Drago. And it's almost sold out. We've got like very few tickets left. So if you're listening to this, please come. Come I on want, a double date. I want the listeners of this podcast to come rather than some schmuck off the street Absolutely. who just bought tickets to the wrong yeah. event. I just like to make your listeners jealous by saying I got my hands on a hot little copy of Finding Drago signed by oh, Noy himself. Yes. Oh, Drago on Mounts We Stand. The books are available from... Uh, Drag on Mouse We Stand page. page. If a lot of people ask me how to get them, it's in the podcast. You could have found out. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, I can't wait to hear your review of it. You should do a book review of it. Yeah, might publish one. Send it into you boys. Okay, <laughs> and we can read it on the pod. The Noise State is looking for new work, so let's do it. Uh, thank you for joining us. Until next time, um, enjoy your life, look after your friends, and watch some fucking movies, please. Stay cool, webheads. <laughs> and what from you if you'd like? Alright, uh, see you later. Okay, that thank was you. Good. That was really good. <laughs> Wait, uh, uh.